Hello and welcome to the Next Shift Podcast, a place for current and former law enforcement to come together and share stories of life after law enforcement. I promise you it's not as scary as you might think, and life is not over just because your career is. I'm your host, Jess Flores, and I myself have transitioned out of the field. And while it's definitely been one of the hardest and scariest things I've ever had to do, it has also been one of the most rewarding. It's what led me to rediscovering my identity without the job, redefining my purpose and what it kind of looks like now, and reigniting passions I had kind of let go to the wayside. It's what led me to creating Next Shift LLC and now this podcast. It is my mission to help you create your next shift by helping you remember who you are behind the badge. You'll hear stories from those who have already made the transition, their spouses and their perspectives of the transition, as well as some resources. Thank you so much for being here. I look forward to serving you. What is up, Next Shift fam? It is your girl Jess back with another solo episode and another week of struggling to figure out what I wanted to talk to you about. I feel like there are so many topics and my brain has so many ideas. The notes section of my phone has so many ideas that it is just sometimes hard to put them together or pick which one I think is going to resonate most with you guys, um, especially with the pressure of, holy shit, we're almost at a thousand downloads in the past four months, which is absolutely incredible. I cannot thank you guys enough for everything you are doing, the listens, the shares, the reviews, uh, the ratings, everything you've done is helping this podcast get out to more and more people and get this message spread to as many people as we can to help with this transition that while some of us may not ever think about it until it actually happens, some get to plan for it. And then when it does hit, it is not like they expected it to be. So the more of us that can, I don't want to say end the stigma, but end the stigma of what it is like for this life after law enforcement thing, the better it'll be for everybody in the future getting out of the field. So what I decided to talk to you guys about today is... What was going to be an in-person event, but now it is seeming like it's going to be more of a virtual option as well as maybe an in-person event if enough people show interest in the Kansas City area to show up in person. We are trying to get a count or an interest level before we decide where we could host something um, between the panelists and I for a debrief event. So if you have not been on either of my social medias, whether it was Instagram or LinkedIn, I had posted a few weeks ago about this idea I had and brought to a few other people in this community that could really help out and share different perspectives of the transition. And we decided to call it debrief, which if you search it in Google, several definitions will pop up. But the one that I went with was just simply to carefully review upon completion. I think we've all probably heard the term debrief. It's something that we were supposed to have done throughout our career anytime there was a major or critical incident. And I will tell you that I don't know that if I ever sat through one in a 10-year career. Um, I can tell you when I posted about this event, there were people who made comments that said, you know, I worked in this type of department. We had several incidents like this and we never once had a debrief. Now at my new department, we do. Um, or something to that effect. It seems like this is not being utilized enough in the law enforcement field. And again, to any first responder listening, it's you also need the debrief. Anytime you're coming across critical traumatic events that maybe at the time we don't see it because we can disassociate, 
it's not normal that people see the types of things that we see on the job. So we came up with this debrief event because while we're not doing it throughout our career for these specific incidents that happen, what happens when we get to the end of our career and we have 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, and 30 years of several critical incidents and several traumatic events that we probably never processed just because we didn't see it as trauma. But now we're trying to get out. We're trying to go to the real world, if you will. And we're like, what the hell is wrong with me? Something will set you off. Something will spark a memory of something that had happened before. Or maybe you're just finally realizing, holy cow, I'm not in that role anymore. And here's all of this stuff bubbling up from my career because you've got these emotions about moving forward that you probably didn't expect to have. Um, And I just really think it is a disservice when officers or first responders leave the field and you basically get a handshake or maybe even a wave and like, hey, thanks for being here. Good luck with what's next. And then literally nobody checks on you. Nobody follows up with you to make sure that things are going okay. And I get it. It is not the department's job. I think we've all learned by now we are just a number to our department. They will replace us the minute we leave or at least start the process to replace us the minute we leave. It's not their job, quote unquote, to check in on people who used to work for us. Um, And this was kind of a, I don't want to say slap in the face, but I had reached out to my current department to ask if I could be utilized as a resource in any way, shape or form, whether I give a flyer that goes in like an exit interview packet or something like that, because I knew how helpful it would be for someone to see, oh, wow, there's someone offering to be there for me when I make this transition, whether I think I need it or not, or at least be in the back of their mind. And their first response was, is this in addition to your current duties? And I responded back with, obviously, yes, it is in addition to my current duties. Um, and you guys have the paperwork to show that I am doing work outside of here. And then I never once heard back. And that was just kind of a reminder of that we're just a number thing. We don't care what happens when you leave. So as glad as I am that departments are starting to implement wellness checks and things like that to assist people who are on the job. And from what I can tell, people are actually leaning into them and letting themselves talk, letting themselves be heard by a professional who can then help them. And then thankfully, from what I can tell, people are actually taking it that step further and saying, you know what, it's not a bad thing. It's okay to talk to somebody and get this off my chest. And I feel much better. I can sleep better. I can come to work and do better all of these different things. And I just think that is so freaking refreshing to hear and to see because it definitely was not something that was around while I was in the field. And most people, I feel like this is a much newer age type thing, but I am absolutely here for it, which again, led me to reaching out to certain people to create this debrief event because it was so important to me that you don't feel alone uh, when you get out of the field. I know it will feel that way, especially if you maybe don't have something to go to right away or you don't have a solid network in place who understands what you're going through. And I will say part of that is also on you to make sure that you have people who understand what you're going through, what you're feeling and things like that. Maybe not a professional, but even your family is going to have to adjust to you no longer being an officer and you are the one responsible for telling them what you're going through, what you're needing, 
um, and all of that so that they can best support you and so that you can best support them. You're going to have to ask them what they need from you as well, which is something we don't often do in this job. Um, but I want to take a few minutes and introduce, I guess, the panel to you of who will be running this event, at least this one. We are hopeful that there will be more in the future as it as word of it grows and spreads. Um, and again, I wanted it to be a live event because there is just something so freaking powerful about being in the room with other people who are like-minded, who get it, who can just be around you and you feel seen and you feel heard and you are empowered to share part of your story. Um, so that was the hope, but that's very hard to do, especially when you're marketing on social media, basically alone or word of mouth. So that's why I decided, hey, take it to the podcast so that more people can hear it and offer a virtual option. If even the panelists have to do it virtually versus all getting together and being live for some, then that's better than nothing. That's getting this word out. Um, so I'm going to speak with the rest of the panel soon to see if we want to make it all virtual or still do in person for those who can make it locally and virtually for those who can't. But you already know me as one of your panelists. If you're new around here, um, <clears throat> My career was taken from me when I was 31 years old due to an injury to my dominant hand. I had this nagging injury for about two years. I made sergeant. I went back out to the road and I was basically wearing a brace on my wrist and then ripping it off on the way to calls so that people wouldn't see it and know that there was a weakness. I knew that adrenaline would take over if I needed it. Well, finally, I think we had like qualifications or something with my gun and it was just so annoyed and so irritated and I could barely pull my gun anymore and I was like all right I think that's it I have got to for myself and the safety of everybody around me go get this looked at surgery was decided upon I was told three ish months and I would be back to good as new and unfortunately that was just not the case even six months later I wasn't fine and even seven years later I am not okay with my wrist it gets swollen with any amount of overuse or bearing weight on it for trying to do push-ups and be like, oh, I can do it again, or lift certain weights, or even riding too much, for gosh sakes. So that happened 10 years into my career, and I faced a really long depressive state of about two years where I just kind of like sulked in my own pity. I was getting rejected for job after job after job that I thought, due to my experience, I definitely was qualified for and deserved um, and it wasn't until I finally decided one day that I was going to stop letting life happen to me and just go out and freaking attack it and take it by the horns that things started to shift. And so over the past seven and a half years, I've done a lot of jobs, a lot of different things, even dabbled in um, entrepreneurship through direct sales to, to where I was the face of what I was doing, but somebody else was really doing the customer service, the back end type stuff that I have zero desire to do. They were making the products, which I have zero desire to do, but it really opened my mind and my eyes into a whole new world of opportunity, which eventually led to the creation of Next Shift and now this podcast um, to reach, again, more people. I know that most officers aren't necessarily on social media, so this was an outlet that it could get pushed out to more and more people, get this message out about the life after law enforcement um, and that initial transition, because it can be very difficult to accept, for gosh sakes. I hope it doesn't take you two years like it did me, but that's another part of my goal and my mission is to help get you through the transition, especially that hard initial part first, much 
quicker than I did. And you guys have heard me say it before. The mission of Next Shift is to help you rediscover your identity, redefine your purpose, and reignite your passions by remembering who the hell you are behind the badge or who you were behind the badge. Because we are all so much more than just cops or first responders. You guys can put in whatever your title is in there. But that is the purpose of Next Shift. So I will be one of the panelists sharing my story. And then um, one of our other panelists is Rachel. She is somebody I actually met through my current job as our wellness provider. Um, And then I decided to reach out to her and was like, I don't know if this is weird or not, but I love that you're a culturally competent therapist. I love that you have experience working with the FBI. She was um, a supervisory forensic child interview specialist with them. She was on the civilian side of the FBI, which I'm going to be honest, I probably understood they had civilians helping support their agency, but didn't really think about all of the different types of civilians. So Rachel clearly has an understanding of what it is like to deal with what we're dealing with in the field because she did nothing but, well, she's done a lot of things, but she was part of child interviews for, um, the victim services division. And that is not an easy task. If you've ever had to sit through forensic interviews with children, it is one of the hardest things you will probably ever do on this job. Um, and so she decided, I want to say she said it was in January. I can't remember the exact timeline of this year, 2023, that she was going to step aside and restart her private practice where she would focus on working with first responders and their families in her private practice. Um, She likes to tell me that she is dedicated to helping law enforcement navigate the unique challenges that we face by providing support for their mental health and well-being while being a culturally competent provider. Um, And that was a new word when I met her that I had learned. And I was like, that makes so much sense. So many times officers, first responders will hold themselves back from therapy because they've either tried it or had a friend try it. And the therapist broke down in tears when they started talking about their job And that's obviously not okay. That's going to give you a bad taste in your mouth. And people who have been there, done that, just have a different viewpoint and perspective like Rachel does. And I think that is super helpful for any of us that are trying to say things. She's not going to need you to explain what um, ranks there are at your department maybe that you're struggling with, what the FTO program is what having a rookie around is like, all the politics of the department. She's not going to need you to explain any of that. You can really just get into the meat and potatoes of what it is you're feeling and what it is you're going through. Um, Our next panelist, I have not yet met in person, but I cannot wait to meet her. Um, Her name is Kim Colgrove, and she is the widow of a first responder who died by suicide. I heard a part of her story, I think it was Rachel who kind of told me about it and said she'd be an awesome person to reach out to. Um, Her husband served around a 30-year career with law enforcement and three months later committed suicide. So she had previously taught mindfulness in a corporate setting, but after her husband um, passed away, she turned her attention to helping warriors and first responders learn how to cope with, excuse me, the stress and the trauma of the job. She is the founder of Pause First Academy um, and now leads a team of culturally competent instructors who offer training to first responders and others with a more holistic approach on well-being, resilience building, and work-life balance. She is also an author, which is absolutely incredible. I cannot wait to meet her in person and give her a big old hug for what she's been through and what she's doing for those coming out after her um, 
husband and all of us coming out of the field now. And then the last panelist for this event is Kip Nelson. He has been a pastor for over 30, I'm sorry, for over 30 years, 22 of which has been spent at a local church here in Kansas City. He is actually one of the lead chaplains for my department currently. Again, never met him in person, met him basically through Rachel. <laughs> She's been the connector here for this entire event. Um, she was the first person I ran to with the idea and was like, I think this is an awesome idea. What do you think? And what do you think we should do? And she was like, agreed, let's do it. Let's set it up. Um, but anyways, I met Kip through her um, virtually, I should say. Um, he is the regional chaplain coordinator for FRST Midwest. Um, he's received hundreds of hours in peer support, um, training, as well as biblical counseling certification. So he has a passion for serving first responders and their families, um, as well as consulting with agencies to help build and grow their own chaplain programs. Um, so I feel like each of these people on the panel are bringing a really unique perspective to what the transition is like. Again, my firsthand experience at it, Rachel's own transition out of a civilian role, but very law enforcement forward, obviously, into treating first responders. Kim, with her husband's transition story that unfortunately had a very sad ending, but she has used her pain to fuel a bigger purpose. And I just love that so much. And then Kip, who is who has been around law enforcement for so long. He knows the ins and outs. He knows how to bring maybe that spiritual element. Um, sometimes that part gets lost throughout our career, unfortunately. And he can really maybe help with that aspect if you're struggling with that or need that as a resource. So this event is supposed to be November 4th, 2023 here in the Kansas City metro area. We set it up on a three-hour time frame, nine to noon, um, so even if it ends up being virtual, it will still be nine to noon. There will be breaks in there, but the premise of it will be us sharing our stories, um, having a Q&A afterwards, and then um, also allowing anybody that wants to stand up and share, or if you're virtual, share a part of your story and either just get it off your chest or ask a panelist or the panel for feedback or anything like that. And then... At the end, really just a free-for-all mix and mingle if you're in person or if it's virtual. Um, reach out to somebody in chat and get the connection information so you can connect with them and discuss further what it is that you're feeling or what it is that you are going through. Again, that is November 4th from 9 to noon. We have a landing page. It'll be in the show notes where you can sign up and just show interest. You're not committing yourself to anything whatsoever. You're just saying, hey, Here's my information. I'm interested when you guys get all of the details figured out, which will be within the next, uh, let's say, week or two. Uh, we will get everybody an email sent out with what the final outlook is looking like, whether it's going to be in person, in person and virtual or just virtual. We will definitely let you know that um, since it's already <laughs> October 15th, it's insane. But if you have any questions about this event, um, feel free to reach out. You've got my handles in the show notes that you can click on. I will make sure to tag all of the panelists in the show notes so that you can also follow them. A majority are on both Instagram and LinkedIn. So just check down there for whoever it is you want to connect with. Um, and I think that's going to wrap it up today, guys. The shortest episode we've done to date, I think. We're at like 18 minutes right now. So again, as always, thank you so much for spending your time with me. I look forward to serving you. Well, that does it for this episode. 
Thank you so very much for choosing to spend your time with me. If you loved it, I'd be honored if you shared it with a friend or your social media network, but be sure to tag me so I can reach out and personally thank you. Until next time, see you next shift.